going beyond the headlines, getting to the heart of the story. Calgary Today with Joe McFarland on 770 CHQR. Greetings and salutations, my friends. Happy Tuesday. Yes, we're going to start things off a little differently. A lot less political talk today. Sorry to disappoint you. Although, top story, of course, being the Made in Alberta energy strategy with that new upgrader from the province being uh, unveiled today by Premier Rachel Notley. Peter Linder will join us after 5 o'clock to dive into whether this is a good step, is it a step in the right direction, or is it a step in a sideways direction? We'll get the latest from Peter on that. After 4 o'clock today, we're going to dive into the issue of gaming addictions. Cam Adair, who's a video game addiction expert, has an event at the University of Calgary this evening, and he's going to join us right after 4 o'clock to talk about what he's going to be talking about, but also the issue at hand being video game addiction. And it's something that has been thrust into the spotlight, uh, particularly over the last, I'd say, six months or a year. And especially whenever you can make hockey a part of the conversation. It's so Canadian when we put something into the hockey realm. But a top-notch first-round draft pick, it's been talked about, hasn't been named, but apparently is at risk of not getting an NHL job because of his video game addiction. I believe it's Fortnite. That being said, it's a major issue. And apparently there's more and more of it coming up in pro sports. And Cam, as we were talking before, we uh, as we headed into this afternoon's discussion, we were having that discussion about it. And he said that actually in the NFL it's an issue as well. So we'll talk to Cam about that coming up after 4 o'clock and also a little bit of health for you as well, uh, which is going to segue really well into our next topic, which is uh, all about what Brenda just talked about, which is that eating healthy. Oh, yeah, all those food groups and that kind of thing. Oh, boy. The Canada Food Guide out with its new recommendations. I'm going to talk a little bit about that. But here's the ultimate question, dare I ask. How the heck are you supposed to actually afford to eat healthy when it's more affordable to eat a eat more than it is to have a salad? Riddle me this, Batman. We're going to get into that and a whole bunch more. This is Calgary Today on 770 CHQR. All righty. So here's the thing with that food guide. And I, I, it seems to me it was like 2007 when it was last updated. But it said you had to have eight vegetables and seven fruits and 12 grains and not allowed to have pasta or maybe you're allowed to have pasta. It was all over the board. And to which I got thinking, how in the heck are you supposed to fit all of those into one day worth of food? Because I guarantee you could have just sat there at the table and ate all day before you finally got all the food. But now it's updated. Now we kind of have an idea as to what the updates are, and everybody's kind of trying to, uh, I'm going to use a really bad dad joke now, everybody's just trying to digest it. Oh, man, I feel so, I'm setting, not setting a good example for the young gents here in terms of, you know, trying to be half punny. Uh, On the line now, registered dietitian Andrea Miller. Uh, Andrea, thanks so much for joining us this afternoon. Thanks for having me. I, the reason why we wanted to bring you in is is to talk about how you can actually do the healthy eating thing while you're on a budget. Because my big argument, and I said it right off the top, was 
here we are trying to figure out how you know you can afford having a salad versus having a Mars bar. And it seems as though the big issue is affordability. So how do you do this on a budget? Okay. So yeah, and 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 you know, at this time of year I probably wouldn't necessarily choose a salad as my first choice. Mm. What I might choose is um, a lentil and brown rice dish that I've used frozen vegetables and onions or sweet potatoes or squash and make it in my crock pot and make a whole bunch of it so I can eat it more than once. Mm-hmm. So it, it, one of the things that I, that I always encourage my clients to do is, first of all, make a menu. When we meal plan and make a grocery list based on that meal plan, um, we have a sense of what we're going to eat and how much we need, and that is absolutely key to um, saving money in the grocery store. And we can try and plan our, our foods not just around what's on sale, but even what's seasonal. So this time of year... We might not want to um, plan foods around, say, mango or, um, (laughs) right? I I was just thinking mango's probably not in season, is it? It's absolutely not in season, and they're a little pricey right now and not always the best when they're imported. Right. So so this time of year, planting foods around um, root vegetables that are, are not so expensive and, and stay nice through the winter. So sweet potatoes and squash um, and onions and potatoes. So stews and soups and casseroles um, are, are super handy, delicious and nutritious this time of year. Um, other things that I suggest is plan one meatless meal a week. So, you know, meat, fish, poultry, fabulous, good source of protein, super healthy, but try it in, in, and fit in a meal that's like maybe a vegetarian chili or a lentil soup, as I mentioned. Um, again, great sources of protein, iron, and fiber, but more economical than fresh meat. So those are, those are some of the things that I suggest. When you look at the food guide, and, and I made the joke right off the hop, is you could t- looked at the old one and you go, okay, there's you know eight fruits and seven. How do you fit it all into one day's worth of meal, or is that really the goal at the end of the day? Well, when we look at the, the new version of the food guide when it, when it came out today, one of the things that's, that's changed, which I'm really happy about, is the new version is less prescriptive about specific serving sizes. And it's more, there's more emphasis on how we eat and the proportions of food as opposed to specific portions. So rather than thinking in terms of specific serving sizes and, and how big those serving sizes are, um, we want to encourage people to consume about half of their plate as fruits and vegetables, a quarter of their plate as whole grains, and a quarter of their plate as protein-rich foods, which could be a variety of things. So don't think in terms of specific portions. Think more proportionately how those foods are making up your meal. I think the big thing is is always making sure that you're not stuffing yourself as much as you want to. And I, I, we're over the season of gorging because Christmas brings out the best in us, a.k.a. my fat pants are still in session. Um, but besides that is, you know, you, you don't want to eat till you're stuffed because that's when you start gaining the weight. For sure. And, and that's another one of the things that I love about the new food guide is the emphasis on cooking and eating at home and eating more mindfully. So really paying attention to our appetite and hunger cues. And when we are eating, trying to eat without so many distractions. So we pay more attention to the taste and smell and textures of food. And when we do that, we tend to eat just enough as opposed to not enough or too little. Um, and, And that helps us manage our weight and our health much easier. 
to go back to the budget aspect of it, one of the things that I've noticed is, especially in my single days, was I'd buy a lot of fruit and veggies, but it'd go bad because you can't eat all of it in one. Because when you go to the grocery store and you get that box of strawberries, for example, well, if you even if you have strawberries twice a day, you can't finish them all by the time they go bad. So how do you wrap your head around what is keepable and what is uh, maybe... Uh, capable of being frozen, that kind of thing. How do you allocate properly that way so you're not wasting food? Yeah, for sure. And that's a really good point because we do tend to waste um, far too much food. So a couple of things. One is a little bit of meal planning. So if you're going to buy strawberries, um, figure out before you buy them how you're going to use them. Will they be um, eaten fresh? Will they be, um, you know, put in smoothies? Will they be part of, um, you know, a dessert? Are they, you know, where are you going to fit those strawberries in first and figure out how many you need? And then keep an eye on them as the week goes along. And if they start to get a little bit not so perfect looking, that's the time where you want to wash and cut them up and and freeze them because then you can, again, um, use them in smoothies or use them in baking or something like that, and you're not wasting them. So one of the keys is really just keeping an eye on your fridge um, regularly and do a little bit of an inventory, and as produce starts to go a little bit not as perfect as it was when you first bought it, that's when we want to start cutting it up and either putting it in soups or stews or putting it in um, containers and freezing it. One, and that's one of the things, that, as long as you've got the freezer space, that's one issue. But beyond that is it really does save some money in the long term if you are able to make multiple meals out of the same one meal and have leftovers that you can freeze down the line. Oh, absolutely. So, you know, casserole, soups, and stews. And I, I really encourage people to freeze them in single portions or portions that are appropriate for your family. That way, you know, you can grab and go for lunches if you've frozen them in single portions or you take something out in the morning, thaw it in the fridge, and you come home and dinner's, you know, ready in, in minutes. Um, it saves money, it saves time, and it saves stress when we have busy family lives. Are there any misconceptions or maybe some fast tips that you'd have for those who are looking in their fridge and going, I need to freeze this, but I couldn't, I shouldn't, or maybe this doesn't need to be in the fridge. I look at potatoes or actually the one that took me by surprise is you don't need to have tomatoes in the fridge. I thought you did, but apparently they're better off outside the fridge. So any kind of tips that way that uh, might take people by surprise? So, so what I would suggest, there's, there's a couple of really great websites. One is called unlockfood.ca, um, managed by Dietitians of Canada. And there's lots of tips on that website around um, how to keep and store produce um, and, you know, sort of how to use produce up so you're not wasting it. So unlockfood.ca is a great one. And then the other thing is I, I really just encourage people to keep an eye on things and meal plan. So don't let things sit and turn into a science project either on your counter or in crisper drawers. And I often suggest to people not to keep all of their produce in a crisper drawer because crisper drawers is where fruits and vegetables go to die. So if we keep our fruits and vegetables at eye level, cut up in containers in the fridge, we're more likely to grab them and use them. When they're hidden away in the bottom of our fridge and we can't see them, much easier to forget about them. You're squeak. You're speaking to the choir here. I now that I think of it, there's some vegetables in my crisper that might be uh, not so good. Yeah. Uh, Andrea, I appreciate the insight and and some of the tips today. Thank you so much for the time. 
Thanks for having me. Andrea Miller, a registered dietitian, uh, speaking about the, the new food guide and the guidelines that have been released today. And, and here's a question I'm going to pose to you. Do you have any tips that you'd take by surprise? The one that, again, the tomatoes thing I was taken by surprise on. The other one that uh, my mom prescribes to is potatoes. She keeps them in uh, pails, like ice cream pails, and puts um, paper towel over top. And so it it accepts a lot of the moisture. And so that's able to kind of keep things all fresh. So if you have any of those tips, 403-974-8255, you can text me as well. Uh, We'll have a few of those tips and we'll talk a little bit more about the eating healthy on a budget idea next. This is Calgary Today on 770 CHQR. In case you missed uh, the news, Canada's new food guide scrapping the four food groups recommending on the number of servings to eat. As people found, it was just too confusing. Here's the confusing part to me in some of the the discussion that we've been having about it is, A, and I was glad that Andrea was able to answer that question about the, the, the fruits and veggies. How do you keep them? As a single guy, I really struggled with that because you'd buy a head of lettuce, right? You want to make a sandwich and that head of lettuce is going to last you forever and ever now being in a relationship and owning a house and that kind of thing even now it's kind of it can be tough sometimes if you're not planning ahead so i was glad that she was able to point that out the other thing that i she's really got a thing for lentils anybody else noticed that i know patrick did but it was that was the part that kind of made me go wow there's there's a, a whole new world out there one of the things that uh aaron and i have we kind of on and off with i wouldn't even say on and off we're we're pretty good about our diet and one of the things that I've actually come to really like is I thought I never thought I'd like spaghetti squash, but you put that with a nice spaghetti sauce, pretty good. I was really surprised by that. Cauliflower rice took me a little bit to get used to. Number one, mainly because that's a lot of work to grate cauliflower. <laughs> Patrick's giving me the no, don't do it. <laughs> it is, uh, yeah, that, it's one of those things that you just, yeah. So much work just to just to eat healthy, but worth it in the long run. We're going to talk to Dr. Rohan about some of the benefits of eating healthy in just uh, in about eh, about an hour's time ish or so. I did ask before the break, though, if you have any tips for those who need something to maybe keep some vegetables or some fruits from going bad so soon. Arlene's got a couple of tips by the sounds of it. Arlene, thank, uh, welcome to the program. Hello. Yes, I have a tip about both keeping uh, fresh mushrooms as well as uh, green onions. Oh. So when you buy your green onions, okay. you, just, you cut them uh, just above where the white part is, okay. and, and you stick that part into just a glass of water, right. and you can get up to three crops of more onions out of that, and then you just you put the green tops. Just uh, hmm. wrap it in a paper towel or a, a tea towel or something and put it There's in a... Paper uh, towel is a lot more useful than I gave it credit for. I thought it was just to clean up spills, but this is... <laughs> no, no, no. I'm learning something new every day here, Arlene. Okay. <laughs> the other thing, the best way to keep mushrooms is uh, when you buy them, there's always a plastic bag and uh, a paper bag available. Mm-hmm. So you stick the mushrooms in the paper bag and then in the plastic bag so they don't get mushy because the paper bag keeps them from getting, you know, too, too wet. Mm-hmm. And the, uh, the plastic bag keeps them 
So, right. Yeah. Okay. Those two things awesome. really, really work well for me. So that's fantastic, Arlena. Appreciate the uh, the call and the the tips there. Love your show. Thank you so much. Uh, yeah, nine seven four eight two five five. You've got even if you want to text in like Rob did. Potatoes need to be kept cool and dry in the dark. Never keep onions with potatoes. Here's the other thing that I've I've found out through my parents who farm and they've had always had since the beginning of time. They've had this ginormous. I use ginormous with purpose, garden. And over the years, they've learned different things grow well with others. And I think it's onions right beside strawberries make good combination. Like they they feed off each other because they don't take up the same nutrients, something, something. I, I, I tried to wrap my head around it once and it just kind of boggled my mind a bit. But it made a whole lot of sense when they were telling me that. Same thing with the different, like with uh, shade, is there certain plants that like shade better than others? I could go on forever about a garden show. I know we've got our own gardening show. Maybe one day I'll co-host it and I'll figure it all out. I listen a lot, but I just can't wrap my head around it. One day, one day. I like this one text. Keep all your stuff from going bad by eating them. Then when they go badish, just put them in a smoothie. You'll never know why. And you'll never know they were bad. <laughs> And a solid point as well. One more. Use a food processor for cauliflower rice. Yeah, I know. That that one, we invested in one. That one worked out real well. Saved my arms. We got one more. Time for one more quick call. Mia's on the line. Mia, you got a tip for us? I do. I have another cauliflower rice tip, which I think is better than the food processor. And it is? If you have a blender, yeah. you take your chunks of cauliflower, you fill it full of water, Blend the whole thing up until it's the right consistency. Drain the whole thing. Huh. Much tidier. Yeah, no kidding. I like that idea. Thanks for that, Mia. Life-changing. Fantastic. I learn something new every day. Thank you for that. This is Calgary Today on 770 CHQR. It has become a more and more prevalent thing in our culture, and it's not necessarily a bad thing, is, is video games and being, a, whether it's a YouTube star or whether you're an online persona, it's not all bad news, but it can get into the bad news, and that's what Cam Adair is in town for tonight. Very well known in talking about video game addictions. He himself had one, and he's speaking here in Calgary at 7 o'clock tonight. We'll talk a little bit more about that in the coming moments. But first, Cam, thanks so much for joining us this afternoon. Thanks so much for having me. Your talk tonight, what is it all about? The talk tonight's on essentially video game addiction and, and what healthy gaming looks like. You know, video game addiction is obviously a hot topic, and a lot of families are struggling with it. And I personally struggled with it, and now I travel all over the world speaking about the warning signs and how to keep gaming in moderation, how to keep it healthy, how to use technology in a way that's productive for our lives. And so that's happening tonight at 7 p.m. at the uh, University of Calgary. You alluded to it. There are warning signs. What are those warning signs in your eyes? The biggest one you want to look for is continued gaming despite negative impact. So if your wife is saying, we need to get divorced, if you're failing college, if you're struggling in high school, yet you continue to game despite that, that's the biggest warning sign. You also want to look at if you've tried to control it, limit your time, maybe you've tried to stop at one point and you fail to, you know, you've relapsed. If you kind of find yourself thinking about gaming all day long or if you are deceiving people, you know, especially with purchases these days, spending money in games, it's easy to be deceiving those around you and not being honest about what you're really doing. And, you know, those are some of the warning signs, but ultimately 
if you're continuing to play despite negative impact in your life, then that's the biggest one. It's amazing to me, and I know this one came out not too long ago, was there was talk about a junior hockey player who was a first-round draft pick who was at risk of basically not becoming an NHLer based on the fact he had a video game addiction. And that really, I think, put it almost into the mainstream because as soon as you connect hockey to anything in this country, people take it seriously. But this is something that uh, as the games evolve and as they become more um, more technical technologically advanced and and more i don't want it's not even addictive but it's one of those uh you get more involved in it you become part of the action in a sense exactly and you know this actually affects professional athletes all over the world i know the vancouver canucks have banned Fortnite, for example on the road video games on the road to just for kind of team synergy and i was actually speaking to the manager of one of the top rookie NFL wide receivers. And I won't say who it is, but mm-hmm. one of the top players in the world. And the manager was talking to me about potentially coming in and, and speaking not only to him, but speaking to the entire team because it is an issue for him. And it's something that, you know, after the game, they're able to go check out, you know, escape and, and get into gaming, but it can, you know, engross you to the point that it's so immersive that, you know, it, restricts you from you know doing the extra things maybe that you'd want to be doing to really be able to get to the next level and i know for me personally i was a high level hockey player played triple a hockey and in the summers i was gaming instead of doing the extra things that would help me make the nhl and someone like tj galliardi who i grew up playing against every single you know day he made the flames and i'm currently not you know so Mm -hmm. that's the difference and it does affect a lot of people it's interesting that way is you you really you don't you want to drive that fine line i suppose because there are now you have esports leagues and you have those things that it can be a money maker but at the same time you don't want to obsess over it to a certain extent how do you find that healthy balance the biggest thing is making sure that it's not the only thing that you're doing so it's not the only activity you do at home it's not the only way you're connecting with friends it's not the only way you're feeling a sense of progress in your life. When it's the only thing, it's very good at being that only thing. You can play it for 15 hours straight, not even think about it. You can escape, you can be social, you can see measurable progress, you can feel a sense of purpose all in a game. And that's really where it becomes more of a problem. You know, gaming, technology, they're central to our lives. They're not going anywhere. And it's just important for us to understand how to have a healthy relationship to it. And just always be focusing on, you know, having some awareness and, and having intention about why we're getting on Instagram or why we're getting on YouTube or why we're playing games and, you know, just making sure that we have a wide balance of other activities. I suppose a lot of it has to do with intent as well, right? If you're using video games as a way to escape from real life, it's a lot easier to get back into it. Whereas if you're doing it for business purposes, it's a little easier to digest. And not only that, but also able to or a little bit easier to uh, get away from. Exactly. And it's also easy to justify your gaming because, oh, I'm going to be the next esports star or I'm going to make a bunch of money with it when that's like playing basketball and saying that you're going to be the next LeBron James. Now, I'm not saying don't pursue your dreams, don't you know try to be a professional athlete, but make sure that if you're doing that, you know your diet, how's your diet? Is it perfect? Are you exercising? Are you doing all the extra things that actually help you be a professional? And are you treating it like a business? You know, are you making money? What's your profit loss equation? Do you know your ratios? You know, are you doing things to market your services? Are you getting out there? Or are you just gaming all day hoping that you're magically going to become the next star? And I think that's the distinction. And especially for parents, 
kids want to be YouTubers, they want to be sports stars, and it's a really good opportunity to empower entrepreneurship abilities and skills and, and a lot of learning about business. For those who have kids or loved ones who are seemingly in their rooms for 20 hours a day and the other four hours are either spent, you know, going to the bathroom, eating a meal, and that's about it. What kind of advice would you have for those to try to get the attention of those who might have that addiction? Well, the first thing is for parents who are struggling, we have a, a support group on Facebook called Game Quitters that, you know, there's over 600 parents in there right now and it's free to join. It's just parents coming together to share strategies and vent and talk about their situations. I think finding others is really important just to have some support. Beyond that, trying to balance out the activities, make sure they have, you know, exercise they're doing, time in nature. And making sure you keep the family structure to be really strong. It's the isolation that becomes the problem. So, you know, are you doing activities together? Can you play puzzles together? Can you go on trips? Can you go to a Flames game or go to a Hitman game or a Roughnecks game? You know, do things where you're able to be in new environments where you can have some of these conversations. And it doesn't have to be such a charged topic, but you you can talk about why do they like to play and what kind of games do they play and learn what their motivations are. And I also think that you need to set boundaries and set limits and be very firm in them. For kids under 12, they should have very limited access to gaming. And for teenagers, it should be about two hours a day and and not every day and not a lot more than that. And being firm in that, I think, is, is very important. If you want to hear more about what Cam has to say and what he's talking about, he, he's going to be speaking at 7 o'clock again at the Taylor Institute for Teaching and Learning Atrium and Forum. Cam, thanks so much again for joining us this afternoon. Thanks so much for having me. And a very, very poignant part of this conversation that we've talked about in the past is the whole esports evolution. And I think a lot of people are still trying to discredit the fact that this is a multi million and even closer to multi billion dollar industry now. And esports is bigger than some of the major pro sports in the US. So you can't discount it, but you also can't discount the fact that it has some trickle-down effect and we have to be willing to address it. And that was uh, one of the points that Cam brought up there. This is Calgary Today on 770 CHQR. I've been warning over the last little while about, hey, we're heading into an election campaign. It's technically really underway. But when you have an announcement like this, it goes beyond the purview of an election and more about, hey, there's something happening. And in particular, it comes down to our energy industry. The Alberta government helping a Calgary-based company build a new bitumen upgrader as part of its plan to uh, to diversify the energy sector. Premier Notley says the province is providing a $440 million loan guarantee to Value Creation Incorporated for the project. But that is the only provincial support it's receiving. For more on this, we welcome into the program energy analyst Peter Linder. Peter, thanks so much for joining us today. My pleasure. When you look at today's announcement by the the Premier and the province here in Alberta, what do you take away from it? It's a step in the right direction. Uh, This is going to be the second upgrader to be built uh, in the last uh, 40 years, really. And it's a positive step. It's a small step to a much, much bigger problem, but definitely the right step. What is the problem in your eyes? Uh, I, w- I would need an hour to explain it, but <laughs> the main problem, of course, as we, most of us know, is there's just not enough pipeline capacity to move our production 
out of the province to the U.S. market and to uh, offshore market. And more importantly than the current problem, uh, it's the problem of the future. Uh, we should be growing our production rapidly, as quickly as the U.S. is, uh, to fill a void uh, that we're not doing as we import more and more crude oil into eastern Canada. We could replace all that crude oil in a matter of three, four years. What does it say, or is this pushing the ball forward, but not necessarily getting that needed area, which is, should we not be refining here? Well, the answer is, this is partial refining. So it is effectively the same thing to a large extent. Remember that full-blown refineries cost upwards of 10 plus billion dollars, five, seven years to build, and they're generally uneconomic. So why would we pursue it? We have to pursue things that make sense to the province and to the producers. And a a full-scale refinery, I believe, makes no sense for Alberta to uh, undertake. Does this make sense in, in economic terms for this province, do you think? Well, it makes sense because this is a private sector venture. It'll be backed somewhat by the province, but it really will be, to a large extent, private money. And it's a new technology. I believe it'll come on initially uh, in about three years uh, at 70,000 barrels a day. Mm-hmm. But it's got huge potential. It'll environmentally more friendly than producing bitumen. It'll require less pipeline capacity. And like I said, it's a private sector. And so hopefully it will give some return to the investors. So it will be a win-win all around. Plus, of course, create hundreds and hundreds of jobs in the meantime. Do you think that this is a signal of some kind to the industry that, hey, uh, the NDP might be looking at opening up the business sector again here? Well, I I think they've been signaling that for... uh, uh, the last couple of years. I think uh, Notley in a previous life was um, much more against development of our uh, oils, oil, particularly bitumen. I think she's seen the light in the last couple of years. She realizes that pipe, new pipeline capacity is very important to our economy, to our revenue, to our health of our province. So I think she's uh, changed her opinion to a large extent, and she has seen the light. Is it enough? We'll see. Do you get the sense at all that this is going, would, do you think that this would maybe move the bar for the rest of the country? I mean, that that's the big question. We know we're doing a good job here, but how do you convince the BCs of the world or the Quebecs of the world to make sure that they're on board with this added, with added capacity down the line? Well, that, that's that's a very, very difficult situation. I mean, uh, BC and the environmental movement are adamant against new pipeline capacity. Same thing with Quebec going uh, to, for Energy East. So it's a big problem. I think one of the things we're going to need is a federal election, and hopefully the current prime minister is going to be replaced, uh, because we need much stronger leadership and much better recognition of the importance of our energy development in this province for the rest of Canada. When you're importing 600,000 barrels a day from Saudi Arabia, Venezuela, and cetera, and all of that could be replaced by a very safe pipeline going to eastern Canada, fully funded by the private sector, and we're not pursuing that, to me, is a major, major problem. How much 
is vision going to need to be put into play come not just the Alberta election, but as you mentioned, the federal election as well? And how how much of a vision needs to be plotted out for the industry to actually get on board with what's happening here in Canada and here in Alberta? Well, the vision's always been there. It, it's, it's a no-brainer. Uh, for what I'm suggesting here, it's really convincing the electorate in Quebec and in BC that it makes sense. The problem is, Quebec has no direct benefit. They or they believe there's no direct benefit from building this pipeline through a province, so they're automatically against it, even though they're importing all this oil. So it makes no environmental uh, sense or economic sense. But to convince the uh, politicians down there is going to be very, very difficult. At the same time, the U.S. is pursuing aggressively new pipeline capacity, ramping up their production, and we're just sitting behind and doing nothing. Frankly, it's a tragedy for our province and for the country. I have one more question on that front, Peter, but I'm running up against clock. If you could hold on for just two more seconds here, we're going to head up to traffic and see what's going on on our roads. This is Calgary Today on 770 CHQR with Peter Linder. Energy analyst Peter Linder joining us on the program as we look into the province's discussion uh, decision today to announce that they're providing a $440 million loan guarantee to Value Creation Incorporated of Calgary for a new bitumen upgrader near Edmonton. And Peter, you were talking just a couple of seconds ago about the, the what the U.S. is doing and they're ramping up their own production. What I wonder is, are we putting ourselves on a bit of an island here in Alberta and in Canada? Because that's our number one trading partner. And if they all of a sudden say, yeah, we don't need you anymore, Canada, we're kind of hooped, aren't we? Well, it does to some extent, but it's really, it's not, they're not mutually exclusive. Because as they're ramping up, they're also ramping up their exports, number one. Number two, virtually all of their incremental production is light oil. Most of our incremental production is heavy oil. They need our heavy oil. They need it more today than ever because of uh, Venezuelan production, Mexican production, all that is heavy oil, is in major decline. So they, in fact, need our heavy oil at a time when they're ramping up their light oil production. So it would be a win-win if we can get our oil to the U.S. market, and hopefully the Keystone XL pipeline will proceed uh, sometime in the near future. Yeah, and that's another project uh, that we could probably have another conversation on another day for sure. But certainly a lot of moving parts in the industry right now. And again, that $2 billion upgraded, uh, upgrader proposed for the Edmonton area is one of those. So, uh, Peter, appreciate the insight today. My pleasure. Anytime. So to go back on this one, Premier Notley saying the $2 billion project near Edmonton will create more than 2,000 jobs during construction and another 200 full-time positions once the facility is up and running, which is expected in 2022. Now, value creation for their part says the upgrader would convert diluted bitumen into an ultra-low sulfur diesel and medium synthetic crude that can more easily flow through the pipelines. So we do have a little bit of an idea now. Again, the big issue to me is vision. What are we looking at 10, 20, 30, 40 years down the road when it comes to the energy industry? I think that's what a lot of businesses would like to see out of not only the Alberta election, but the federal election. And to go back to my discussion yesterday about uh, the, the politics of the day, and that is, 
that's the one thing that I feel is lacking in in politics today. It's it's more about what can get me reelected in four years versus hey, here's what we should be looking like. And I'm whether or not it's a we want to go all green energy in 25 years. Cool. How are we getting there? And that seems to be the part that is missing. And it's it's the same discussion again. I'm going to keep harping on this because I know we're an election campaign as much as the writ hasn't dropped. We don't have the 28 days. All that's water on the bridge. Every announcement does need to be taken with a, a grain of salt to an extent. This is one that goes above and beyond. I think this isn't something that was put in the budget from last year. This isn't something that I don't think uh, was being talked about up until today. So it's it's a $440 million loan guarantee. It's something that is getting people talking. So we should talk about it as well. This is Calgary Today on 770 CHQR. Thanks so much for listening to the Calgary Today podcast. You can find it on iTunes, Google Play, and tune in. When you do, don't forget to write the show and leave a comment. Until next time, my friends.